0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Mimetic Exegete Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Skidmore. In recent episodes, we have been working our way through the book of Numbers. As we have previously seen, the tribe of Levi serve the Lord in the tabernacle. The Levites are offered as scapegoats so that the Israelite firstborn might live. Throughout the Pentateuch, that is the first five books of the Bible, We have seen this idea that the firstborn belongs to the Lord, whether it is the crops from the field or the animals of the field, and even humans, the firstborn belongs to the Lord. We are told that the Lord purchased Israel's firstborn for himself on the Passover night when he liberated Israel from their Egyptian overlords. On that fateful night, All of the Egyptian firstborn died, while the Israelite firstborn remained safe inside their houses. In the end, Pharaoh's grief over the Egyptian firstborn prompts him to set the Israelites free. So the Passover narrative is really a story about the Lord securing Israel's freedom by executing a scapegoat. That is, the Egyptian firstborn. But now that the Israelites have left Egypt, who will they be able to scapegoat to ensure the community's ongoing well-being and safety? The Book of Numbers presents the Levites as a substitute scapegoat in place of the Egyptian firstborn. These Levites are dedicated to the Lord to work in the sanctuary so that Israel's firstborn might continue to live. In this episode, we consider the Levites' ritual cleansing and concentration in the sanctuary and why these things are important for Israel's conquest of Canaan. Reading on now from chapter 8 verse 5. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. Thus you shall do to them, cleanse them, sprinkle the water of purification upon them, and let them go with a razor over all their body, and wash their clothes, and cleanse themselves. Then let them take a bull from the herd and its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, and you shall take another bull from the herd for a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tent of meeting, and assemble the whole congregation of the people of Israel. When you bring the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites, and Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the people of Israel, that they may do the service of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, and you shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites." And you shall set the Levites before Aaron and his sons, and shall offer them as a wave-offering to the Lord. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting, when you have cleansed them and offered them as a wave-offering. For they are wholly given to me among the people of Israel, instead of all who open the womb the firstborn of all the people of Israel. I have taken them, that is the Levites, for myself. For all the firstborn among the people of Israel are mine, both of man and of beast. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated them to myself, and I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting and to make atonement for the people of Israel, that there may be no plague among the people of Israel when the people of Israel come near my sanctuary. Thus did Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel to the Levites, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites. The people of Israel did to them. And the Levites purified themselves from sin and washed their clothes, and Aaron offered them as a wave offering before the Lord, and Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that the Levites went in to do their service in the tent of meeting before Aaron and his sons, as the Lord had commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. And the LORD spoke to Moses, saying, This applies to the Levites. From twenty-five years old and upward they shall come to do duty in the service of the tent of meeting, and from age fifty they shall withdraw from the duty of service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. Thus shall you do to the Levites in assigning their duties." You may have noticed various similarities between the Levites' cleansing as a Nazarite's ritual, considered in the last episode. Both rituals involve shaving and animal sacrifice. The similarities allow these Nazarites to experience a similar ritual transformation albeit for a finite period of time. Like the Nazarites, the Levites shave their bodies, and that would have functioned as a visible reminder of the separation from the rest of the community. Such marks of separation are commonly borne by scapegoats. Girard calls these marks the sign of the victim. He notes that literary scapegoats are often set apart from the rest of their community by a distinguishing mark such as a limp, deformity, or a skin condition. In the midst of a mimetic crisis, the community will search for some sort of differentiation, something that will set a certain group of people apart and help them be indicated as a victim to persecute. The Levite's shorn skin serves as a visible marker of separation and may help the community identify them as potential scapegoats in the midst of a mimetic crisis. The hand leading rite also identifies the Levites as a group of scapegoats who are offered to pacify the wrath of the primitive sacred. We saw the same rite performed on animal sacrifices and the blasphemer of Leviticus chapter 24. In each case, the hand leaning ritual communicates dedication of an offering to the primitive sacred to avoid divine violence. The community identify the Levites as their scapegoat offering by laying hands upon them. The community then present the tribe of Levite as a wave offering to the primitive sacred to protect their firstborn from divine violence. The Levites serve in the tabernacle from the age of 25 until they turn 50 when they were employed to guard the sanctuary. There may be a practical component to this law because it stipulates the Levites, in peak physical strength at the ages of 25-50, to perform the physically demanding tasks of erecting and packing up the tabernacle and its furnishings. Yet there may also be another reason for this age range of service. The Levites are given to the Lord as a substitute for Israel's firstborn. Recall also that the Levites were originally selected for this role when they violently slaughtered their fellow Israelites. Perhaps the age range ensures the most capable warriors are employed in service to the primitive sacred in the hope that they will kindle and unleash divine violence upon Israel's enemies. Although the Levites will not fight alongside the other tribes, they will equip and empower Israel's army through their service to the primitive sacred. Just as the Egyptian firstborn was sacrificed to secure Israel's freedom on the original Passover evening, so now the Levites are given over to the Lord as a wave offering to ensure the Israelite community's military success. Reading on now from chapter 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the people of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month at twilight you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its rules and all its statutes, you shall keep it. So Moses told the people of Israel that they should keep the Passover. Then they kept the Passover in the first month on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the people of Israel did. And there were certain men there who were unclean through touching a dead body, so that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day, and those men said to him, We are unclean through touching a dead body. Why are we kept from bringing the Lord's offering at its appointed time among the people of Israel? Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your descendants is unclean through touching a dead body, or is on a long journey, he shall still keep the Passover to the Lord. In the second month, on the fourteenth day at twilight, they shall keep it. They shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break any of its bones. According to the statute for the Passover, they shall keep it. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people, because he did not bring the Lord's Passover offering at its appointed time. The man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you, and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to its rules, so shall he do. You shall have one statute both for the sojourner and for the native. Keeping with the Exodus theme, Moses instructs the people to keep the Passover. Even those who are unclean are commanded to observe the Passover on the fourteenth day of the following month. Those who fail to observe the Passover will be cut off from their people. The Passover is the cornerstone of Israel's identity as the Lord's people who have been emancipated from slavery to discover a new life in the land of Canaan. Emphasis upon this identity will help unite the people moving forward as Israel attempts to defeat the Canaanites and take possession of their land. Anyone who refuses to partake in this communal festival sets themselves apart from the rest of their community, and for that reason, they are cut off. We've seen this penalty before, this idea of being cut off, which Hebrew Bible scholars call the Karat penalty. And we've noted that it's particularly slippery. Some people think this penalty is a death sentence, others think it might be the person getting exiled from their community, expelled if you like. Others think it might be that they're not allowed to be buried with their ancestors, or still others think it might be that the offender is denied from joining their ancestors in the afterlife. Whatever this penalty means, it's a mark of separation. The offender who is cut off from their people is separated from them and no longer allowed to participate in the community's joy and celebration when they come into the promised land. The person's refusal to keep the Passover threatens to undermine the community's unity because the Passover reminds the people of the primitive sacred's power to destroy their enemies. One question remains. Will the primitive sacred accompany and empower Israel on their conquest? Let's read on from verse 15. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was, the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that, the people of Israel set out, and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord, they camped. As long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days, the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, and when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out, but then it lifted and they set out. At the command of the Lord they camped and at the command of the Lord they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. Now that's really repetitive, but a few observations. The Lord's presence is communicated by the familiar imagery of fire and cloud resting over the tabernacle, and we saw this imagery back in the Exodus narrative. Through these pictures, the writer assures us that the Lord's presence will not only accompany the community, but also lead them throughout their conquest. In fact, the Lord is cited as the driving force behind the whole enterprise. From a mimetic perspective, the Pillar of Cloud suggests the aftermath of mimetic violence, in this case, war. As the Israelite community destroy and burn the cities of their enemies, pillars of smoke rise into the air, confirming the presence of the primitive sacred. When the smoke settles, mimetic desire for the land of the Canaanites leads the community onward to their next victim. To establish themselves as an autonomous people group in their own right, the Israelites set their desire upon the land of their Canaanite neighbours. This desire and violence it inspires are attributed to the Lord. The primitive sacred drives the people's violent conquest for the land of Canaan. As the text notes, they kept the charge of the Lord at the command of Moses. Thanks again for joining me on the Memetic Exegete podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you may do so on the Memetic Exegete Facebook group. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you.